Welcome to Grace Hills Church as we gather together to worship in a very unique way. We've never done it this way before. But because of the coronavirus, we don't have the privilege of gathering people together physically. But we really believe that this can be a meaningful and helpful service. You know, as you think about worship, and that's what we're going to be experiencing today, you, you wonder, well, how, how can you do that without people? And, and really, you ask the question, what really is worship? You know, historically what worship is, it's, it's the church gathered together for corporate worship and then the church scattering together to, to live it out in everyday life. And, and you're wondering, how can you do that when people can't be with people? But you have to be creative, and that's what we're trying to do. And even on this weekend as we worship together without us physically being here, we want to honor God, we want to remember who He is and what He's done in our lives, and then throughout the week, We want to live it in such a way that people can see that we have met with God, we've met with Jesus, and it makes a difference in our lives. And for that to really happen, uh, let's look to him in prayer as we begin. Dear Lord, we thank you so much that you are the God who understands what we're going through, that the times are different, that we're not able to do some of the things that we do normally, but we know that life doesn't have to be limited by things and circumstances being changed, because you are the one that it's all about. And Father, I just pray for each one here, whether they're new or they're a regular, that they might really meet with God as we gather together in a virtual way to worship you in a corporate way. And we ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I invite you to take your Bibles. In this, uh, on this particular day, we're going to be looking at a number of different passages. We, we've been worshiping at Grace Hills Church by looking at the Word of God in the book of Exodus. And the book of Exodus is all about God's way out. Uh, and just like in our day with the coronavirus where things are not normal and things are not like we would want them to be, that has been true throughout history. As we think about God who is good and, and when he made everything, he said it was good and very good. But something happened and that's when the world went wrong. And that's when what the Bible calls sin messed everything up. And throughout history now, God is doing everything that needs to be done on his end to bring people in relationship. And really what a church is all about is, is being in tune with what God is doing. And what God is doing, who is a relational God, is, is bringing us into a relationship with Him. And, and so this morning, what we're going to try to do is, is really taking the theme, and this is how this message is entitled, and if you haven't done so already, I invite you to download the outline, and there's some questions on the back to further look at what we're sharing and studying today. It's down on the outlines. You can kind of follow what we're doing. But we've entitled the message uh, for today is uh, Stay in Touch Without Touching. And and that really is what we're doing in this worship experience. And this is what we're going to be doing in our small groups throughout the week and and ministry that we're doing on a one-on-one relationship is that we really believe that you can stay in touch without touching and, and really be involved in relationship with the living God and with people as well. We live in a world where life is not normal. I was uh, reading even this past week uh, from the um, Wall Street Journal, an article in which uh, I kind of related to and was anticipating what it was uh, going to say. And it was on the headline of this Wall Street Journal article was 60 is the new 40. And and that really kind of speaks to where I am at. I I really have the idea that I want to, I feel good and I I feel like in good health and I I, want to live life to its fullest. And so that headline, 60 is the new 40. But as I read the article, that really wasn't the bottom line because later on, and the person who was saying this was in great shape, had just finished a workout, and and that person looked like they were 40, even though maybe age-wise, chronologically, they were 60. 
And this is what this athlete said. Uh, 60 is a new 40 in my mind, but what I've discovered now that I'm 60 is 60 is the new 80. And the reason this was a gal that was saying this, the reason she said that is because uh, my kids who are in their 20s or 30s, their message to me is, Mom, you're, you're too old to do this. You, you need to be safe. We don't want you to get sick. You probably shouldn't go anywhere. And reality, what they were telling me, you shouldn't do anything because they look at me as, as not being simply 60. They think I'm 80. And, and really, that is what life is all about. At times, uh, people have certain expectations of us, and they try to limit what we can do or not do. And, and sometimes, circumstantially, uh, there are some things we can't do that we would want to do. And, and that's what it is in church life is that we can't do what we normally do. The new normal is now different. But really, God is not limited by what is happening in our world. Just like he could still speak to the people of Israel during the days of Exodus, even though they had a long period of time of having life not being normal or the way they wanted to be, they were in slavery. God was still speaking to them. God was still in relationship with them, and he was drawing them into a deep relationship with the living God. And so this morning, what I want to do is I really want to talk about staying in touch without touching, how the church can be the church when life is not normal. And in reality, what I want to do very simply is I want to answer two questions. Why should we stay in touch when it's not easy to stay in touch and we can't be in touch like we normally are in touch, having people over our home, maybe going to a favorite restaurant, being involved in a sport or activity, and now that's all limited. How can, we, how can we stay in touch, or why should we stay in touch? And then secondly, I want to answer the question, who and what are we to stay in touch with? And so we're going to look at the Word of God, and we really believe at Grace Hills Church that the Word of God is, is really where we get uh, the voice from God. Uh, really, you don't need to spend any time listening to me, but if my message is from God, and we really believe my message is from God, not because I know something no one else said, because God's written it down. He's had his people write it down, and, and in the Bible, it gives us his word to us. And so we're going to, again, just try to simply look at some things as far as why should we stay in touch when it's not easy to stay in touch, and then secondly, uh, who and what should we stay in touch with? I want to begin by looking at the book of Hebrews. So if you have a Bible, it's toward the end of the New Testament. Uh, If you have a table of contents, you might be able to look that up. Uh, If you need a pause as you're listening to this, you can do that as well. And we're going to look at Exodus chapter 10. And and again, we're simply going to ask, why should we stay in touch? And, And let me just speak to everyone who's listening. For some of you, you're a regular, whether it's at our church or another church. And your desire is to stay in touch with with spiritual things. But some of you maybe are online with us today, and, and reality is you're, you're really struggling in determining what do you believe about God and if there really is a God. Or maybe your experiences in the past where you thought there was a God and now you've grown cold in relationship and you're, you really feel more with doubt than faith. And so someone urging you and encouraging you and exhorting you to stay in touch, particularly in a spiritual way, is far from maybe where your deepest heart is. But I want to share with you that that God has a a word for you. And and really, when you think about why we should pursue staying in touch, is because, number one, he he told us to. In Hebrews chapter 10, this this is a section in which there were people who are, like in our day, struggling with what was going on and why it was going on and if there is a God, is he, is he good and he's really trying to, to, is he really trying to connect with us? 
why would we want to stay in touch? And, and this is what he says to us through one of his prophets. He says in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 23, uh, the writer says this. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Now, that's kind of religious language, but it really begins by at least the writer identifying with us. Sometimes we look at preacher types like, like me this morning, and, and really when we look at that, we think it's, it's that preacher telling us what to do, and he's pointing his finger at the people out there listening. But the writer here is saying, look, this, we're all in the same game together. We, we all need to stay in touch. And that is true for me as well as for everyone who's listening to me t- uh, today. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. And so we, we need to hold on tightly to, to what is really true. In fact, he goes on and says this, For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider, and again, he uses the us language, not the you language. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, there's much we can unpack in those couple of passages uh, in Hebrews chapter 10. But simply what he's saying here is that God is telling us this is not really an option for us to stay in touch. That he has made us, and it's who he is, that, that we need to stay in touch. And, and for our own good. He said, look, if we're not around people that are helping us live life to its fullest and, and, and be the kind of people God wants us to be, then we won't be those kind of people. That we, we ought to have people in our lives that we're, we're stimulating, that we're helping to live out their life in such a way that they're loving other people, they're doing good for others. And then as simply as possible, he says, as is the habit of some, uh, we, we don't need to follow the example of people who are running from God during the coronavirus epidemic and pandemic, but we run to God because we need this. In fact, that's really the second reason. Why do we need to stay in touch without touching? Number one, the, at least from God's perspective, we are told to. Don't stop connecting with other people. And then secondly, it's because we desperately need it. In Hebrews chapter 3, which is just a few pages over from where we were just looking at, uh, there are some strong words Uh, written to those who are reading God's word, that letter sent to them. And and there are a lot of hard things in the Bible, let's be honest. The the Bible talks about that that God loves us so much that he wants to spend eternity with us. And that's that place the Bible calls and describes as heaven. But there's also a place where people who choose not to receive that which he offers will be a place of judgment. And we know that place is hell. And as we think about that, in the end of life, there's going to be two types of people that are going to get two different responses to what's going to happen for eternity. There are going to be people who, at the end of their life, when they face God, they're going to be able to acknowledge what they had done in this life. And what they've done in this life is said, God, your will be done. But those who refuse what God is offering at the end, God's going to speak into their life. And this is what C.S. Lewis said, in which he'll say to them, your will be done. And so at this time, as we think about staying in touch in spiritual ways, this is critical for us. It really reflects, do we really know the living God who, who is relational and has a plan for our life or we turn from him? But he also says some hard things in terms of how we live. He says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, and maybe some of you can relate to where you've been coming from or how you've been wrestling with 
living out what might be a, a relationship with God. He says, take care, brethren. So he's speaking to people who are familiar. Maybe you're here because you are familiar to a certain degree with what the Bible has to say or what the church has to say or what your perception of Christianity is. He says, take care, brethren, that there not be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. And let's be honest, either, again, as we've said already, either, either life will draw you to God or will, you'll respond and draw away from Him. And he's saying, look, it, you, you, need a, you need to wrestle with where is your heart. Is it believing or unbelieving? Don't fall away from a relationship with Him. Stay in touch. Then he goes on in verse 13, he says, But encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now again, there's much we can unpack about that passage, but let's look at it simply. Uh, during these days in which you, you, can't, you don't have the freedom to do what you want, and, and at times I feel like I'm stir-crazy having to, to limit the things I want to do. He says, don't let this harden your heart. In fact, what I, what I want you to do is, is be, a, be a person that is encouraged, but even more so to be an encourager. So I, I want to challenge of us, challenge all of us. If we're going to stay in touch without touching, we need to pursue those things in life that will encourage us, but not just for ourselves. We can become very self-centered, which is the opposite of what God's plan is for our life. He wants us to be other-centered. And so we need to ask ourselves the question, who are you encouraging? Sometimes we're looking around, who's encouraging me? But, but God's message to us is, I, I'm the one who can be your source of encouragement, but it's not for you to keep it to yourself. It's to, it's to share it with others. And so as we think about staying in touch without touching, it begins with really asking the basic question, well, why should I do that? Well, from God's perspective, it's pretty straightforward. N- number one, he, he tells us, to stay in touch. And then he goes on and says, the reason I'm telling you to do this is because you desperately need to stay in touch. Now, we can't do it in the same ways. There's other ways we have to do it. We have to be creative. But if you pursue staying in touch with people and the things God has for you, then, then you will become not only encouraged, but you'll become an encourager. But now I want to deal with the, the second question I want to ask is, well, who are we to stay in touch with? And I'm going to share with you some very simple things, but God does not put everything in such a way that we can't understand it. He gets pretty clear here. And we're going to look at that this, this, this morning or this evening, whatever time you're, you're listening here. And this is what he speaks into our lives about. Who and what should we stay in touch with? And we could put it this way. Number one, we ought to stay in touch with Christ. Now, we, we really believe at Grace Hills Church very plainly that, that, about who Christ is, that, that Christ is the living God. Uh, we've, a few months ago, just celebrated Christmas, and what Christmas is all about is that God invaded history in Jesus, and, and that Jesus demonstrated that there was a true and living God, and he lived the life that demonstrated that he was God. He did the miraculous, and he conquered that which would be essential for anyone who claimed to be God, is that he would conquer life's greatest fears, and that is what's going to happen when I die. And Jesus went to the grave after he went to the cross, and then he rose from the dead, and then he demonstrated that by appearing to people all over uh, Palestine that he was risen from the dead. And that's the next great event we celebrate 
in a few weeks. We don't know if it's going to be online or in person, probably online, if, if things proceed the way it looks like. Uh, but this is the great other event, Easter, where it's the Resurrection Sunday, where the grave was empty because of who Jesus is and, and what he accomplished. So anyways, as we think about what is it and who is it that we are to connect with or stay in touch with, and let's be honest, um, you know, sometimes we hear wild stories of people talking about their experiences, and I'm not here to judge people's experiences, but uh, I, I've never seen Jesus. I, I, I've never touched him. I, I've never audibly heard his voice. But, but Jesus is more real to me than any other person in my life. And I've been blessed to have a close family and close friends, but there is no one more important to me than Christ. Though I've never seen him, I've never heard his voice, and I've never physically touched him. But he's the person more than anyone else that that daily I want to stay in touch with. And and the reason I want to stay in touch with is because of who he is and, and what he's accomplished. And I want to read just one passage again out of the book of Hebrews in which as the writer of Hebrews concludes his passionate letter to to those in spiritual need. Uh, In verse 8, he says very plainly about the one he wants them to stay in touch with. And he says this about Jesus. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Now sometimes, depending on how familiar you are with the Bible, there's certain things in the Bible that are kind of confusing, like Jesus Christ. Is, Is Christ Jesus' last name? No, no, Jesus is his name, and Christ is a title. And the, the word Christ is the Greek word for the Jewish word Messiah. He was the promised one. And, and Jesus had all kinds of titles beyond the, the title that he was most familiar with, which was Jesus. His name was Emmanuel, which means God with us. But as we think about staying in touch with this one who, who claimed to be God in the flesh and then demonstrated by how he lived, the miraculous things he performed, and, and then also the victory over the grave, is that the Bible claims something about Jesus. As we all have noticed, we're, we're living in an ever-changing world. We don't know what's going to happen next. And if we could have predicted this, and no one really predicted it, I, I haven't heard any reports about people selling all their stocks before the, the stock market crashed. Uh, you know, I haven't heard people uh, before it happened to buying up all the toilet paper and then selling to other people. I haven't heard all the, uh, the stories about people making huge amount of money because they, they could have predicted what was going to happen. And just like we didn't predict what was going to happen, we don't know what will happen. Because we live in a, in a changing world. But what I want to share with you, that, that whatever changes happen, it doesn't catch God by surprise. God, God allows things to happen, some of the things that, that cause pain and frustration and heartache and suffering. And he uses that to, to push us to recognize that, that we're not in, in control. And, and there's only one person we can turn to in times like this. There's one person that we need to stay in touch with. It all begins with the Christ. It all begins with Jesus. And the reason that we can put our trust in him and stay in touch with him, because he doesn't change. And in changing world, he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In, in your notes, I, I put it this way, just to make sure that we, we kind of grasp how important that is. Jesus is the same yesterday. Well, why is that so important? Because... 
as we think about yesterday, that's when Jesus revealed to us in history the truth about who he is and what he did on our behalf. You know, as we think about putting our faith in Christ, trusting that he is who he claimed to be, the reason we do that is because of not so much what he's doing now, but what he did. There was a point in history 2,000 years ago where, where Jesus of Nazareth arrived, arrived on the scene. And as we think about it, it, it pictures who he is, and we've already talked about that. He is the living God. It also talks about what he accomplished. When Jesus went to the cross, very plainly, what he did is he, he died in our place. The Bible puts it profoundly in this way in religious terms, but he made him who knew no sin, he was sinless, and isn't that what you would expect if God became a man? He made him who knew no sin to be sin, take on our sin on our behalf, that we might become right with God. And so as we think about Jesus being the same yesterday, it's, it's that foundation by which we really believe there's truth about who Jesus is and, and what he can do because of what he's done. But Jesus is not only the same yesterday, but he's also the same today. And why is that so critical? Because that's, that's what cements that we can have a real-time relationship with him now. You know, Jesus said all kinds of things that, that draw us to himself. He, he said that if we come to him, that we'll, we'll experience peace beyond what anyone else could imagine. Not that we won't go through difficult times like times like this with the coronavirus where everyone is wondering what's going to happen next. Or as we enter into life, uh, even as the one who thought 60 was the new 40 and now discovered everybody around them is telling her or him that 60 is the new 80. In the midst of whatever goes on in life, we recognize that because of a relationship with the living God, we can experience life to its fullest now. You know, when Jesus is here, not only did he promise us eternal life, which is quantity of life, but he also promises that we have abundant life, which is quality of life. And, and the reason that is true is because Jesus is, is changeless now. He will never change. He will always remain the same because he doesn't need to change. But then as we think about it, not only is he the same yesterday, it, what happened in the past is the foundation for what we believe now in the present today, but we have a future. And the future that we need to recognize is that tomorrow, it's our constant hope and assurance that it's only going to get better. Now, let's be honest. We don't know how long this virus is going to limit what we can do, what freedoms we have, when, when we can spend time with people that we care about that are outside our family. Uh, we can connect with people, and we'll talk about that in a moment, uh, that we're not in their physical presence, but we can always connect with the living God. And, and when we connect with Him, uh, we can recognize that even if life doesn't get better now, and we have people in our church that have been diagnosed with, with terminal disease, and, and, and the doctors have already said, independent of the, 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 the virus that we're all fearful about or concerned about, that they are facing... Uh, physical death, and in some, it's, it's not going to be a, um, a pleasant experience physically. And, and yet, the reason they're filled with hope and even joy is because they know that their future is settled, is that because of who Jesus is in the future, we can know that there's something that's going to be better. If, if not now, it'll be later because we'll be in his presence. 
But you think about it, stay in touch with Jesus because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, how do you do that? It's not a passive pursuit. We can be as close to Jesus as we want to, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to take priority on our part. How does that happen? Well, part of that happens is being an experience like this where you, you worship in a corporate way, even though you might not be physically here, and you hear songs uh, sung uh, to cause you to, to express praise and worship and confession and commitment to God through song. It's, it's, it's recognizing that there's opportunities to give and to, to get that message out, and that's another way of worship. There'll be a times probably where we'll even have communion, where we remember the cross. The opportunities to pray, and although we only prayed a very simple prayer to begin the service here in the message, is that's another way to worship. It's another way to, to go through life, and as you go through life, you're, you're looking for ways to help others, not just be helped, but to help, but also at times be willing to be helped, and sometimes we're, we're too prideful to let other people come alongside us and, and help us. But whatever it might be, as we, as we think about it, that God wants us to recognize that, that we are to live in such a way that we grow closer to him. But probably the primary way that we can grow closer to the living God is to to hear him speak into our lives. And the way he speaks into our lives is to, to look at the word of God and to, to read from it and to, to gain truths about who he is and truths about us and, and detailed plan of how he wants us to live. As we think about drawing closer to God, it comes from listening to him and hearing from him and spending time in his word. And at Grace Hills Church, we have a number of different ways to help you do that. And one of the ways is even... Uh, something you can do after this service is not only take the outline to kind of help you follow what, uh, what I'm speaking about this morning or whenever you're listening to this, but also to look on the back. There, there are verses you can look up. There are passages you can to examine and just draw closer to him and understand his will in your life. So, so where have we been so far? What we're trying to do today is just emphasize that we ought to stay in touch without touching. And why we ought to do that? Because God tells us to do that, and secondly, we need it. We need to be encouraged and be an encourager to others. Secondly, who are we supposed to stay in touch with? What well, all begins with Jesus. It all begins with Christ. It's, it's entering into that personal relationship with the living God. You know, when you're on a plane and they drop uh, those, those announcements before you take off, and most of the time we don't listen to it, but sometimes we see the videos, and they say, when, if something happens, make sure you put on the mask for oxygen on you before you help somebody else. And really what we're saying here, if you're really going to live life to its fullest, you, you got to connect with Jesus on your own. You need to develop that personal relationship with him. And it, it only happens when you spend time in prayer and in the word and an expression of praise and thanksgiving to him, whether it's in song or words. And then finding other people around you that will encourage you and help you do that as well. Which really leads us to that second point. Not, not only do we need to stay in touch with Christ, who we can't hear verbally or, or see or physically touch, but we also ought to be in touch with his church. And we are restricted in how we can be physically together, but the church is something that man did not create. This is something that Jesus created. In Matthew 16, 13 through 18, we hear these words. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Why do, who do people say that the Son of Man is? I had the opportunity this last year in 2019 to take uh, almost 40 of our people over to Israel, and we were actually at this exact spot. And it's a beautiful uh, scene of, of uh, just 
waterfalls and vegetation and, and rock formations, but it really wasn't just an outdoor park. It really was a place where people were worshiping. Uh, all kinds of religions were there. And so he asked this question. There were all kinds of people who thought they knew God. And so he asked them the question, well, who do people say I am? And so they responded to that question to Jesus. And they said, well, uh, some say you're John the Baptist. Others, Elijah, uh, coming from his Jewish heritage. But still others uh, say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And let's be honest. As we think about encountering this book or pursuing getting in touch with God, it really gets down to the question of not what do other people believe, but what do I believe? And so we asked him that question, who do you say that I am? Then Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, which I always, whenever I get to that passage, I always, I'm always reminded, Bar means son, Jonah means John or Jonah. So he was a Johnson. So it was Simon Johnson and he says, blessed are you because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Again, there's a lot we can unpack from this passage, but let's just be observing a, a, a major point here. Uh, it is Jesus who said, I will build my church. The, the, the church is not something that we just put together to be religious. This is, a, this is, this is something that Jesus put together. I was, uh, I was doing some reading this past week and kind of looking at what other people do to define the church. The, the church in the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek, Koine Greek, it's the word ekklesia, which is translated basically two different ways. Some literally, they'll say it's, it's ek out. Uh, kaleo, called, called out, it's called out ones. So it's an organization in which people are called out. In, in just simple terms, it's, it's a word that's often translated assembly. And a church is an assembling of people. But it's a specific kind of people. Not that they're more special in any way in terms of their genetic background, but it's based on what they believe. They're called out ones to believe and to follow after God. But others have, have, have tried to put it this way, what, what the church is and what it's not. The church is not primarily a physical building. And again, that's, that's why we're having this, this message in this way. Because sometimes people say, well, I go to church. Well, they're thinking they're going to a particular location or a zip code or an address in, in a particular city or town. And, and when they arrive there, they say, I'm at church. Well, you're at the place where the church gathers, uh, but that's not the church. The, the church is the people. So it's primarily not a building or a location, nor is it a religious institution. There, there's all kinds of uh, religious activity that people are involved in, but the, the, the church, the church of, of Jesus, is, is more than just an organization. It's definitely not a, a cosmic cop organization, and what I'm saying there, or what they were saying there, it's not one just trying to tell people what they're doing right or wrong. It's not, it's not primarily a, 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 an organization that just tells people how to be ethical or better, nicer than other people. It's also not a socio-political association. We're, we're not a political action group. But what are we? 
as, as one writer in theological terms says, says it this way. It is a gathering together of those who have been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of Christ. So they are citizens of heaven and not of this world. The, the, the church is a supernatural group of people coming together because they've, they've met the one who is supernatural. They met the living God, and it's changed everything about them. And the Bible says because this is something that Jesus put together, this is something that we need to stay in touch with. It's not about, well, I'll just follow Jesus my own way, and I'll do it by being alone and not connecting with anybody else. We are brought into relationship with the living God. We stay in touch with Christ, but we're supposed to stay in touch with people. And so I want, to, I want to look at what the Bible says about what is the church in its own language. What is the church? The church is the family of God. The church is the family of God. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, it says this, So then we have opportunity. Let us do good to all people. And, and we need to be loving and caring for everyone, whether they believe like we believe or not. And that's, that's our challenge as, as, as people who know the living God. We are, we are called to be people who care about everybody. But in this passage in Galatians, it says, But let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are the household of the faith. We've been given instructions by... Uh, the powers that be, that we can be in our own homes with our own family, and that's legal, uh, but we're not to invite other people in, groups of five, ten, or more, because we'll spread the virus. But we can be with our own family, or a family defined there as who are the people you live with, and you can have the nuclear family or the people that you're regularly with. But what I want to submit to you is that the family, and I'm so blessed to have a great family, and I don't know if you've seen that I don't know if it's a new app, but it's an app that's becoming more and more popular, Marco Polo. Uh, it's, it's a way you can connect with your family, and you can not only, uh, there are di- different ways to, to have online videoing when you're, uh, or seeing people when you make phone calls, but here's where you can tape it, and they can look at it afterwards. And, and we had fun doing that just recently, where we were just having group texts and group phone calls, and people were interacting and showing videos and, and seeing each other. And we, we just had a great time doing that. And, and I delight spending time, and I feel more responsible for the relationships I have within my family. But what the Bible says, and this is, this, is, this is strong words, I guess you could say, is that not only do we have our own nuclear family or the people we live with, but when we become a follower of Jesus, when we really stay in touch with him and know him, then we have another family. And that family is the church. And God wants us to stay in touch with the church. And again, you might be asked, well, how, how do you do that when you can't be physically with each other? Well, we're going to talk about that briefly. But as we think about that, that's got to be the passion of our heart, that we need to stay in touch, not only with Christ, but with his church. And why? Because we're the family. We're the family of God. And then also, and there's another, and there's many word pictures about the church in the Bible, we're, we're also the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, it says, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And when you think about that, you think about your body, and that really speaks powerfully about what kind of relationship you ought to have with people in the family of God, in the church, in the body of Christ. When, when things are going well, when you're feeling good, your, your whole body knows it, doesn't it? 
you wake up in the morning and you don't have the aches and pains and, you, and you're feeling with a lot, you have a lot of energy and you, and you just want to go, you know, climb that mountain. You want to you go out on the golf course and, and shoot uh, your, a personal record or you, you, whatever activity it might be. You want to you want to you want to go on, you want to go surfing and, and surf a, a bigger wave, or, or or maybe you just want to go out and take a, a walk, and, and you're feeling good. Your whole body knows you're feeling good, but it doesn't take much for the opposite to happen, does it? All of your body can feel pretty good, and then all of a sudden you you, you uh, you're not watching where you're walking, and you, and you twist your ankle, and, and your whole body knows that your ankle's in pain, or maybe you're not watching where you're walking, and you. you Instead of walking around a branch, you, you run into it, and, and it, it pokes you in the eye, and, and now the, your whole body that was feeling great now feels pain. And, and that's what the Bible wants to say about the church, is that as we think about being the family of God, we care for each other, we love each other, we, we want the best for each other. But then also as the body of Christ, we, we rejoice with those who are rejoicing or feeling good, and then we, we weep with those who are weeping. We we. We rejoice and, and, and just uh, magnify the joy of, of, of a person's life when, when we're around them. But if they're hurting, then we're hurting as well. So what does it mean to stay in touch without touching? Number one, you've you got to be motivated as to why. Why? Because God tells us to. And secondly, because we need to. And then who, who are we to be in touch with? We, well, we need to be in touch with Christ. We need to be in touch with the church. And we need to be in touch with what God has said, we need to be in touch with God's commandments. You know, and, and God has uh, declared to us pretty clearly what, what he wants us to be and to do as God's people. And this week, if you participate in the Bible study, and it's on the back of the, the outline this week, there'll be all kinds of things to look at and, and to see more in depth of what does it mean to, to stay in touch without touching. But what, what, is, what does God t- tell us to do or to be? Well, first of all, he has told us in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, that we are to love one another. Be devo- in fact, he says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. So he uses that same family language. And I guess I would say, if you really understand what the church is to be all about and what it means to be rightly connected with Christ and your motive because we're told to and you know we need to, is that now you are looking at people totally differently than you did before. You're looking at how can I... How can I show that I really uh, love somebody like I would love a brother or a sister? That that's what it means to be the church. That's what it means to follow God's will for your life. He, he's called us to, to look at others in a totally different way than we did before. The Bible says that in so many different ways. Is it, in 2 Corinthians, it talks about for the love of Christ is that which motivates us and controls us and pushes us out. And having concluded this, that one died for all, and he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for those around them. So we ought to love one another. The Bible also talks about that we ought to care for one another. And I guess that just puts it in ways of saying, well, if you love one another, how does that look in action? 1 Corinthians 12, 25, there should be no division in, in the relationship of people in the body of Christ, but that the members may have this same care for one another. So as we think about what does it mean to be the church when we can't be physically together, is look for ways, how, how can I show care to people? If you have a phone, who, who, who are you going to call this week just, just to see how they're doing? Or ask, can you pray for them? Or, and we're going to talk about that just in a moment. Or how, how can, maybe just to listen to them. You know, some have said this, how do you spell 
you know, care or how do you spell love and those are both four-letter words. But they said that one of the best ways you can spell that is this with the word time, T-I-M-E. You show you care, you show you love because you give people your time. And that could be by writing a note, you know. We might not be able to physically go to them, but we can write a letter. Remember when people used to actually write letters or cards and put stamps on them and put them in the mail? That we can use our phone, not just to order pizza, but we can, we can phone people and just talk with them. Uh, we can text them. We can go online, whatever it might be. But we, we demonstrate that we love and care for people because we reach out. There's so many different ways we can do that, but just a couple more, just to, just to get our, our minds thinking about God's practical ways to know Him, to live for Him. We're called to serve one another. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says this, For you were called into freedom. God is not, not bringing us into a bondage uh, when we are in, rightly, in right relationship with Him. But He says this, Use your freedom as an opportunity, not just to serve yourself, but through love serve one another. And that's where, in fact, this past week, I got a text from one of uh, the people at Grace Hills Church, and they said, look, I just want to make myself available. If there's anyone in church leadership that, say, that, that knows of someone that needs for another person to bring them food, uh, to help them transport themselves to a, a doctor's appointment, or in any way just meet a need that, that no one else is meeting in their life, I, I'm, I'm just making myself available. And so this person was saying, look, I'm not looking just to be served, but I want to serve. And that's what it means to stay connected, to stay in touch with people, even though you might not be able to be in their home or to spend time in other ways with them physically. But you can drop food at their doorstep. You can maybe drive them and they can be in the back of the car or whatever it might be that you can be there to help them. Or you can pick up food. And then finally is that in Galatians, in James chapter 5, verse 16, very simply it says, pray for one another. And, and that's the way that, that invisible way that has visible uh, ramifications is, is take people that you know and, and pray for them. You know, some of us, we, uh, we maybe remember to pray and thank God for the food, but what God wants us to do is not only thank God for food, but thank God for the people in our life. And to pray for them as they go through difficult times. As they maybe, as I just heard this week, some people that I know might have the uh, coronavirus or they're, they're feeling they have all the symptoms. Or, or maybe someone who is just struggling for whatever they're going through. And we begin to pray for them. And we begin to think about how can I support them. Maybe there's some specific needs that I can meet or people I know uh, that I could rally around them to, to help them out. See, as we think about what, what the church is all about, the church is all about connecting or staying in touch or getting in touch with God, whom we don't touch, we don't see, we don't hear, but he's there. And it's also about staying in touch with people because it's all about God and it's all about people. And the church is that, is that group of people that, that gather together whether it's in a virtual way like we're doing right now or, or whether it's throughout the week where we use our phones or, or use Zoom or WebEx or whatever it might be to connect groups of people together or, or whether we, we serve people in just practical ways that, that might not be noticed by uh, people around, but, we, but they, the people we connect with or listen to or pray for or care for, they know that, 
that God loves them because we have shown love to them as well uh, through the things we've done for them, uh, behind the scenes or right in front of them. So as we've gathered together today, I hope as we've just tried to be real about what's the new normal, what's reality, that, that, that we live in a, a world that has changed dramatically over the last couple of weeks, that there's some things that we would like to do that we can't do. And as we think about the church, how can you do church when you can't be with people is that, is that we can do it creatively. But we have to have that desire to stay in touch, even without touching. And it begins with just realizing we, we, we must do this. God has told us to do it, and we need to it because we need to be encouraged and be encouraging. And then as we think of the priorities, well, how, what do we need to be in touch with? We need to be in touch with, with Christ. Developing that personal relationship with God, deepening it, spending time with him. That's the only way you grow in a relationship. Secondly, we need to recognize God has called us into, into community. And that's a big word that people are using in all kinds of contexts now. But our, we, need, we need to understand that, that God has established the church to be community. And we need to be part of that and be involved in that. And then third, realize that, that God has specific things he wants us to do. And we just listed a, a few of them. He wants us to love one another. He wants us to care for one another. He wants us to pray for one another. He, he wants us to serve one another. And the question for all of us, as I guess as we, as we close our time together, is that uh, what are we going to do? What's the so what? What is the so what for us? And I guess the so what is simply this. Are, are we going to be the church? I mean, some people come to church on a weekend where physically they can be there. And that, that's a great opportunity to, to worship around other people in a corporate way. But, but we want to not only attend a location or a building, but we want to be the church by living it seven days a week. And then we need to realize it's, it's very simple and straightforward. We do that by staying in touch with Christ and the people around us. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity just to look in your word, to, to sing unto you, and just to recognize that we, we can still do life together even though it's in a different way. But Father, we also want to realize that it all begins with, with knowing you in a personal way. And as we think about the message of Christ, it's, uh, it's a message that is awesome. It's not always easy. Because when you enter into a relationship with Christ, it begins with admitting your need and and turning from that which is wrong in your life. And as we think about a God who loves us and sent his son Jesus for us, the reason he had to send us because we have a desperate need. Our sin separates us from you, the things that we've done that are wrong. And might we, might we admit that, confess that, and be willing to turn from it? Secondly, we need to believe. We need to believe that Jesus is God and that he did die on the cross for our sins and rose again. He paid the price fully. We need to come to that point where we believe not only in who Jesus is, but what he's done. And then thirdly, we've got to make a choice. We've got to, we've got to make a choice. Do, do we choose to go our own way, or do we choose to put our trust in the one who came for us? And when we choose to do that, by faith, we make a commitment to Jesus and ask him to be our Lord, the leader of our life, to be a Savior, to be our Savior, the one who, who rescues us from our sin. And come to that place in our life where we surrender and commit ourselves to him. 
Father, if there's anyone here that's been listening uh, to this service, Father, above all else, we want them to know Jesus, to admit their need and turn from their sin, to believe that Jesus truly is God who became flesh for us, who died on the cross and rose again, and then choose to commit their life to Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. Father, we thank you so much for this, that, that powerful statement. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only unique son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it's in his name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.